And it's Ari Rosenbaum here with another episode of that 401k podcast. Uh, this week's topic, we're going to talk uh, a really favorite topic of mine of late because uh, of uh, the personal surroundings of the problems of 401k plan provider contracts. And of course, the first things first that we do uh, on the podcast is talk about the live events that are coming up, both virtually and thankfully non-virtually. Uh, this Monday, we're going to have a uh, event with uh, Jamie Raskin, Congressman from Maryland, uh, Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Zoom event, webinar, that 401k virtual bunch. Uh, you'll be able to ask, uh, you know, submit questions. I'll just be the per- one person um, uh, doing that. You know, in, in terms of politics these days, you got to limit. Uh, I, I just, I, I find that, uh, uh you know, Congressman Raskin, who's a Democrat from Maryland, somebody uh, who's a good friend of mine, somebody who I agree very little on politics. Um, but, you know, I, I think politics these days is like professional wrestling. Uh, and if you're on the opposite side, you're the enemy and whatnot. So we want to avoid any, you know, issues and, and whatnot because he's slotting a, a half hour of his day to speak to us. Uh, after that, on May the 20th, we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Scott Tanker, uh, who's involved with retirement plans. I've known Scott for over 20 years, uh, way back to the CBiz days, and his father was Paul Tanker, one of the founders of ASPA. So it'll be interesting to talk to somebody who kind of grew up in this business, and that'll be on Wednesday, I'm sorry, on Thursday, uh, May the 20th. Uh, and then... We have some virtual events. We have a virtual event in January, that 4K National Virtual Conference. Uh, sign up, $20, 22 cents to be a part of it. And then we have some live events in September. All the links are up to sign up for St. Louis on Friday, September 10th, Minneapolis on Friday, September 24th, and Houston, Planet Houston on Wednesday, September 29th with my obligatory uh, Superman 2 reference. Um, game tickets available for those nights as well, uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to live events coming soon. I know my friends at ASPA, they're scheduled, I think, uh, for that. They're going to start that weekend after St. Louis, September 12th and 14th. Listen, I made sure not to, uh, uh, have this events on the same days. I know that they're going to be 100% live in Las Vegas. Wish them, uh, a lot of luck, um. Uh, with anybody, in my opinion, hosting 401k events, whether they're my events or somebody else's events, a whole lot of luck uh, that these events take place. You know, because as I always say, um, way back in, in March 2020, when I was leaving that 401k national conference, um, I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe we'll have to postpone the events and you know, this whole thing will last six to eight weeks and whatnot. And, and of course, here we are a year or so later, and we're still in it. Uh, but like I said, hopefully uh, starting in September, uh, we'll have some live events again. Uh, don't know if we'll wear masks, but like I said, um, we should be live and in person. So uh, as discussed, um, plant provider contracts. It's a huge deal in my opinion. Um, and in terms of the retirement plan business over the last 20 some odd years that I've been in it, I think one of the best things that ever happened was fee disclosure. 
Um, and I think pre-disclosure to me was an important um, breakthrough in the retirement plan business because we had a weird dichotomy of uh, plan sponsors having a fiduciary duty to pay only reasonable plan expenses, but um, had no right to receive full fee disclosures as to what their plan providers were getting directly and indirectly from the plan for plan services. To me, that was uh, one of my favorite movies, probably has to be top 10, is, is the movie Casino, um, uh, which, you know, uh, when it came out, it wasn't a big success. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic movie. You know, people, because it had Pesci and De Niro, they made it out to be that it was the second coming of Goodfellas, but it's a story that stands on its own based on a, based on a true story, loosely based on a true story. And uh, plan sponsors not knowing the true cost of their plan administration um, reminded me of the scene where there was disclosure that casino owners could not go into the count room, which showed that uh, there were leakage um, where people were just... Um, you know, taking money and, and just putting in their pockets. And, you know, that was, again, that, that's what reminds me of the whole count room scene. But, you know, the problems of, that fee disclosure uh, regulations, I think, eliminated, still we still have issues with plan provider contracts. And I think one day, because of some of the things that I've seen firsthand, and some of the things that I've known secondhand from other plant providers is I think that the Department of Labor is going to crack down on plant provider contracts because I think that that's one of the last bastions of uh, of, a, of a business that lacks transparency because I feel that the contract is a situation where a lot of plant providers get away with nonsense that they can no longer get away with thanks to fee disclosures. And... Uh, the problem is the plan provider contracts have so many disputes around it, uh, I found from time to time, and without some guidance for one key plan sponsors, uh, may be forced to um, turn over plan assets to a plan provider that's not entitled to it, um, which you know only hurts plan participants. And I think, of course, the problem with paying plan assets uh, to a, a former plan provider as some sort of blackmail is, is a breach of fiduciary duty of its own kind. So that's why I, I think that that is a uh, situation that is going to be a problem um, that the Department of Labor, I think, over time is going to have to handle. Uh, you know, the first problem, obviously, is there's really no set form of plan provider agreements, just like there's no set form of fee disclosure agreements. Um, forms that a plan provider has to give to a uh, plan sponsor or that the providers have to uh, give uh, via the plan sponsors to the plan participants. And the reason, obviously, is you have different types of plan providers. There are different types of agreements, different types of arrangements. You know, uh, a broker is going to have a different agreement from a 321 fiduciary advisor. Uh, and the 321 fiduciary advisor is certainly going to have different, uh, you know, if they're a limited scope, they're going to have a different form if they're a full scope, as well as the 338 agreement as well. There's always differences. Uh, TPAs can't have the same form. Uh, it's nearly impossible. But I think there has to be some sort of uniformity when it comes to fees, when it comes to uh, certain arrangements in the timing of arrangements, 
and the timing of services provider and payment. And, and that's, you know, that's some of the stuff that we're certainly going to tackle on on this episode. Because, uh, again, this is dealing with uh, stuff that I've had to deal with on a firsthand uh, nature. Number one, number two, actually, it's a contract and you really need to have an ERISA attorney review it. Um, they're legally binding, so I don't understand why a plan sponsor just doesn't seek out guidance from an ERISA attorney. I mean, I know why, because they don't want to pay for an ERISA attorney. They're afraid of uh, costs. You know, having worked for a law firm that, you know, likes to overbill clients, uh, I understand their predicament. I still charge a flat fee for the work I do, but, um, you know, despite, you know, the legal consequences that, you know, come with an agreement, very few 401k uh, plan sponsors have a lawyer to review it, and, you know, it's one thing to have an attorney review it, it's quite another to have an ERISA attorney review it, because quite honestly, a lot of uh, attorneys uh, lack uh, knowledge, and uh, I don't think it's a good fit. Um, same thing, you know, uh, I, I, I take allergy shots, um, I go to an allergist, I don't go to my internist for allergy shots, I don't go to uh, a proctologist for allergy shots, I go to an allergist for allergy shots. And in that practice, I had the ENT surgeon do my nose surgery, nasal surgery in February. Uh, I didn't have my allergist do it because he's not a surgeon. And I think that there's a need for people to hire a risk attorney when they need one. And a plan provider contract is, is, is certainly one of those reasons. And they may not, you know, a regular attorney may not know some of the gimmicks that plan providers are known for. Um, you know, there's so many issues dealing with plan provider contracts and, and gimmicks that just come with it. So I think that plan sponsors certainly do a disservice by just having a regular attorney review it rather than a risk attorney. Um, you know, I charge a flat fee. Most um, risk attorneys would be reasonable in cost. Some are not. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a $10,000 legal bill from somebody reviewing a contract. But, you know, you got to be cautious uh, when hiring a risk attorney and understanding what the costs are. I had a, uh, a pep that I work on, an adopting employer, was interested in signing up, but their attorney, who I don't even know was a risk attorney, uh, said it would cost them $30,000 to rewrite a Relias SPD of a PEP, which I don't know why that would cost that much. But listen, some people are in it for providing a service and some people are in it for making a buck. Next, you know, you got to make sure that the promises um, are in the agreement. So many times uh, plant providers promise one thing to a plant sponsor and then not deliver it, especially when it comes to the contractual terms. Um, a lot of plant providers out there are known for promising the moon and, and undelivering. And, and promises are great, uh, but it, uh, it, it really doesn't make a difference if it's not in the actual contract. Um, you know, if a TPA or an ERISA 316 administrator or even a fiduciary financial advisor uh, make some claims about the services to provide. If the contract doesn't provide it, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, you can't, you know, it, it's very hard to get parole evidence into a, a contract uh, where the uh, terms as discussed weren't specified in the contract. Uh, it's not fun. and It's not something that I would recommend. Uh, that's why I think it's, again, important for a risk attorney to, to review contracts. Um, 
you know, when, when a plan provider makes promises and it's contained in the contract and that contract is breached, it makes things a lot easier, obviously, in terms of a breach of contract, as opposed to somebody who promised a service to provide it, but it wasn't provided for in the contract. Um, I think it's also important that when you deal with plan providers that are serving in some sort of fiduciary capacity, um, you want to make sure that the services that they offer um, have the, the most liability protection. And, um, you know, I don't think it's right to hire an ERISA 360 administrator that refuses to sign 5500. But yes, there are uh, ERISA 360 administrators who, who don't do that. So, you know, any plan provider agreement should be clear on what services the plan provider is providing and what fiduciary role they would, you know, playing, if any. Next, um, I think, you know, in life, I, I talk about it so many times, and uh, it's uh, when I was a kid in, in New York, uh, we didn't get cable in Brooklyn until I was 17. That was 1989. And I did a lot of listening on WFAN because I'm a huge Mets fan, and Mets were on Sports Channel, and when you don't have cable, uh, you can't watch games. So you listen to WFAN, which was the radio station, 660. Um, I think at the time it was, I think by 89 it was 660. They moved up from 1050 when they bought WNBC. But anyway, Davey Johnson, who was the Mets manager, uh, had a show, like a pregame show with, I think, Howie Rose, and or a postgame show, whatever it was. And, and one of the fans called up, because Davey was always under fire after he won 86. You know, it was assumed that the Mets would win every year, and when they didn't come close and not win a World Series, that was always pegged on Davey. It was always Davey's fault. And I think looking back now, Davey Johnson's probably the best manager, uh, Mets manager the Mets had outside of maybe Gil Hodges. And a fan called up and said, Davey, isn't it true that you're hired to be fired? And I never, you know, at 17 you don't understand it, but when you're, you know, 30 some odd years older, you do understand it, and the point of it, you are hired to be fired, meaning a plan provider, one way or another, is going to be terminated. Whether it's the company going out of business, whether it's a TPA going out of business, whatever it may be, uh, nothing lasts forever. Um, so, you know, when people get married, they don't think about divorce. Uh, most people don't. Um, you know, obviously, Bill Gates did when he didn't sign a prenup. Uh, that might come to, to bite him. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, 15, 20%, I already, I think it's 15%, 15% of marriages end up in divorce. I think in the old days it was a lot higher. Um, you know, hiring those, you know, plant provider isn't the same thing as getting married, but you know, you are, it's similar to marriage because you are making a legal agreement with the hopes that that relationship will be long-term, just like a marriage. And, um, you know, a marriage doesn't last forever. You know, one of the spouses will die. One of the spouses may want a divorce, whatever it may be. But like a marriage, you know, everything concludes, uh, including a relationship with the plant provider. And rather than waiting until it's time to change plant providers, I think it's important for plant sponsors to identify the termination provision in the agreement and the notice requirement they need to advise them of a change or vice versa if they're going to terminate you know, the plan sponsor, because the plan sponsor wasn't doing their uh, job on their side. There's, you know, uh, I've seen situations where, it was a, you know, a plan provider search had to be suspended because the plan sponsor didn't meet the notice requirements of firing 
um, the plant provider that they wanted to replace. Um, not only uh, a plant sponsor should identify the termination provision, they also need to identify any surrender charges or termination fees. Um, they really need to understand and identify the costs relate, relating to terminating a plant provider, the plant provider's insurance company. Um, it's, I think it's important for the plant sponsor to identify any surrender charges they may face if they terminate the services early. If you fire a TPA, uh, you know, they, may, they may charge the plant sponsor for what they call the conversion fee um, as they move to another TPA. I, I don't like the conversion fees. I, 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 just, I just don't like it. Um, I think that that's something that should be factored into the contract. Um, I, I don't know of any other plant provider that charges them. You know, um, I, I, it's not a similar thing. But you know, when I'm terminated as an attorney, I, I don't, I don't pay, I don't uh, have a deconversion fee for somebody who goes to another attorney. Um, I, I don't charge a client for anything if they happen to fire me, and it's happened before again because no. Uh, contractual relationship is forever um, and the problem I understand it's a part of the business the problem is is that a lot of TPAs have very vague contracts um, that they rely on as the basis for deconversion fees and I think that that's a fee that should really be disclosed up front um, or to identify how a plan sponsor comes to I, I'm sorry, how a TPA comes to the deconversion fee. I think there has to be a meeting of the minds and a disclosure in the contract. Um, and, and the problem is, is that I find that most TPAs don't really have a rational basis um, as to why, you know, as to what these deconversion fees can be. Um, you know, I, I had an issue with a TPA, which I'll further explain on deconversion fees. They talked about deconversion fees. Well, they talked about fees that were outside the scope of the contract, but it was something that required the parties to agree to. And, of course, the TPA uh, tried to blackmail me and the uh, plan, and it uh, didn't really work to their identification. It really didn't work to their satisfaction. And now I ended up not paying the deconversion fee. But... Um, Whatever the contract is, I think it's important for the plan sponsor to identify the costs of getting out of a plan provider agreement, if that's what they really need to do. This is my favorite topic now, the 5500 and the valuation. And I talked to a very important person in the retirement plan business. I will not use his name, but one of the industry's leading spokespeople. And... One of the spokespeople of this industry says that most complaints of... Plan providers are dealing with, um, tends to be on the TPA side, dealing with that final 5500 and evaluation. And uh, I know that problem firsthand. Um, you know, I, I sponsor for 1K plan. Um, and in part of my agreement, it was based on an annual agreement, annual fee. For each plan year, they were supposed to uh, prepare for that fee of 5500 in annual valuation uh, because of unhappiness by the advisor over the plan and a changeover uh, of the TPA. Um, it was bought out by another TPA. Um, we decided, or I decided, to terminate the plan uh, from the TPA as of February 28th, 2021. Keep that date in mind. 
The CPA came out with some vague deconversion fees. I was willing to pay that. Uh, but uh, after they pocketed about $135,000 in annual fees from the plan, they wanted another $80,000 to prepare the 2020 5500 in evaluation. Um, this reminds me of Ronald Reagan in the 1980 New Hampshire debates. I don't know any people you store or hear the story, but I think you should watch it on YouTube. One of my favorite political meltdowns. It wasn't a meltdown. It was more of a temper tantrum. Ronald Reagan um, was financing a debate. Uh, the newspaper was not. Um, and uh, Reagan wanted the other uh, candidates to speak. And the person who ran the newspaper, the editor-in-chief, turned off Ronald Reagan, or tried to turn off Ronald Reagan's microphone, and Ronald Reagan yelled out loud, you know, Mr. I forget the guy's name, the editor-in-chief, I am paying for this microphone. Meaning, you can't shut off that microphone because I'm paying for it. How dare you? And that's how I felt with the CPA. I... I wasn't paying. The plan had paid for that 5500 evaluation. I am paying for this 5500 valuation. How dare you try to take me out or take my plan participants out for another 80 grand? And that was my biggest point, which the TPA never understood. He wanted to make money. If I paid him, it wasn't coming out of my pocket. It was coming out of my plan participants' pocket. But as a plan fiduciary, I have this duty to pay only reasonable plan expenses, and I felt that it was nothing short of blackmail. Um, I don't know why the TPA decided to start a fight with me, but you know they did. Um, again, I, it was it was close to eighty thousand dollars. It was seventy thousand dollars of change. Um, you know they they, they were just. Let's just say the TPA rubbed me the wrong way, and uh, since then I've discovered that this TPA is very well known for punishing people that terminate their services and trying to get an extra half a year of administration by charging extra for the 5500 valuation. I think that practice for them is going to end very, very soon. But no matter the discrepancy regarding that final 5500 valuation that that TPA has to uh, perform, make sure the contract is clear as to what services that a plan provider will provide after being informed that they were terminated. Um, even, even if that TPA was right and they were entitled to compensation for the 5500 valuation, uh, it wasn't uh, equal to you know 50% of the fee that they collected for the year or 45% or whatever it is. Uh, 5,500 valuation um, in the end is a lot less work than the daily plan-to-plan -plan administration. And, you know, I'm somebody who worked for TPAs and I know the work that's involved. Um, you know, the costs have to be reasonable. And his costs, no matter what he claimed, were not reasonable. And that's what I said. Even if you're right, and my interpretation of the UREM is wrong, I still believe it's a breach of fiduciary duty to pay a fee for the 5500 and valuation that exceeds, you know, 45% of the annual fee. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, no matter the hustle, um, a plan sponsor surely breached their fiduciary duty. Uh, no matter how a plan provider tries to bully a plan sponsor, and again, this uh, this TPA, I, you know, I, I 
I think it's one of the most difficult struggles that I've had uh, in terms of personality clashes with this TPA owner. But uh, no matter the bullying uh, by the plant provider or any type of legitimate dispute, uh, the plant sponsor really should not breach your fiduciary duty no matter what, and especially when it comes to paying unreasonable plant expenses. You want to come to a, an agreement, that's great but you shouldn't be doing it on the backs of your plan sponsors because I believe that that will come to haunt you if you are a plan sponsor. I'm sorry, the plan participants, because it will haunt you as a plan sponsor because it's a breach. Um, and, and I think that that's the important thing. You know, I like to be nice and not fight, but when it's a matter of right and wrong, uh, I will fight and um, I will stand up for what I think is right. And uh, I think what was right was um, not socking my plant participants a second time for a 5500 in evaluation that we did pay for. That they did pay for, I'm sorry. Uh, last but not least, um, as far as that fight with the TPA, the TPA said, you know, Ari, you know, you know you're wrong. That's why you're not suing us. And I said, my friend, I had, well, I didn't say call my friend, but I said, you know what? One doesn't have to sue to get their point across. Um, a lawsuit costs money. And why am I going to spend ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to recover eighty thousand dollars when I have this group of friends of mine that will help me out? And and those group of friends <coughs> are the Department of Labor, and the Department of Labor is in the business of protecting plant participants. And if a plant provider is hurting plant participants, or it's requiring the plant sponsor to, um, you know, plan sponsors required to, to breach their fiduciary duty, I think it's important to get the Department of Labor involved. And uh, that's when the, the fight with the TPA went, went way off base, when we had a disagreement over fees, and I basically said, you know what, you say one thing, I say the other, let's get the Department of Labor involved, and we'll get guidance from them, and the TPA flipped out. That's when... You know, I he thought I was trying to blackmail them into you know giving me um, a better uh, contract terms, and I made no such thing. I just said we'll talk to the Department of Labor and say if you don't do this, I'll do that. That's blackmail. Um, but you know, the Department of Labor is an excellent resource uh, in terms of protecting plant participants, uh, and if there are issues dealing with the plant provider, I recommend contacting them. Uh, they are a little slow, but they're very, very thorough, and they do a heck of a job um, in protecting plant participants' rights. So that's why I think it's extremely important as a um, plant sponsor to contact the Department of Labor uh, when things go south and the rights of plant participants uh, from being charged excessive fees lies in the balance. Just my two cents. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of the 4 k Podcast. Again, it's uh, something I've really, uh, over the last few months, has certainly hit home, and I hope you enjoy it. And, and come back next week. Uh, and, of course, go to that4ksite.com for further information on our live events this September. Thanks. Bye.